She's a business mogul. Number one. And wellness expert. How can I help? And now Chantel Ray and her amazing guests are here to guide you on your wellness journey. Time to level up. Welcome to the Waste Away Podcast. Hi guys, welcome to today's episode. And we have Sean Wells, who's got a new book coming out called The Energy Formula. We are going to be talking about all kinds of issues with autoimmunity. We're going to be talking about chronic pain. We're going to be talking about biohacking, all things intermittent fasting, keto. We've got a full plate for you. So Sean Wells, welcome. Thank you for having me on, Chantel. I'm excited. So I know that You've personally suffered from some countless issues like chronic pain, autoimmune issues, and some depression. So talk a little bit about your personal uh, you know, journey and how it led you where you are. Yeah, 100%. And I, I think you'll find that like the reason that uh, anyone's like really good at what they do, really passionate at what they do, there's a why behind that. And that's certainly true for me. I've been through a lot physically, mentally. Uh, I had a pretty chaotic childhood. Um, I was bullied quite a bit. I was uh, morbidly obese and and laughed at and uh, definitely the last pick to play any sport, the last guy that would ever get a girl. And uh, it was difficult uh, growing up uh, under that um, lens and and uh, moving into college, I finally started working out. And, and seeing some improvements in my body and getting more self-esteem from having lived with a lot of severe depression and even suicidal thoughts. And uh, I was talking to my physician in between my sophomore and junior year, like I said, working out, reading magazines, like taking some supplements like creatine and protein. And uh, I was telling him how I'm seeing these changes. I'm feeling better about myself. Like I'm, I'm thinking that uh, this is something I truly enjoy. And uh, I was expecting that he was going to tell me it was all stupid, like the, the supplements, especially. And uh, and he actually drew out this lifeline between 20 and 80. And he said, why not be happy between here and here? Because I was talking to him about my business school that I was in. And it was, you know, it was, it was a little bit of a drag to me. But like I was really lit up about the supplement stuff and and dieting and working out and all that stuff. And that literally changed my life path. Like that gave me permission from someone who I had a lot of respect for and thought was quite brilliant to pursue my passion. And I ended up uh, finishing up business school, but with that in mind, getting a minor in chemistry, knowing that I could go get prerequisites uh, to get into a master's program. My dream school was Chapel Hill in nutritional biochemistry. And I wanted to be a formulator. And so that was my dream. But when I finally got to uh, finish with business school and I got to the school where I was going to do the prereqs, UNC Greensboro, I talked to the guidance counselor there and told him I need 26 credit hours of sciences a semester. I need to do all this stuff to, to get into Chapel Hill. He laughed at me. He said, I'm a business student and I'll fail and I'll fail miserably. And he said, I didn't even have that good a body. And this reinforced like a lot of my body dysmorphia, my eating disorders that I had. Uh, as at that point, I had not only dealt with being morbidly obese, but even swung all the way to anorexia, going from 300 pounds to 150 pounds where I was weighing myself after I peed to see if I was lighter. Uh, 
uh, I thought about killing myself that night uh, because he took away my dream that I had for two years, my purpose that I thought I had. And that was soul crushing, but I ended up not doing that and thinking of that guy every single day when people wanted to go out and party, go out to clubs, go out to bars, whatever. I was working hard every single day, got straight A's, got into Chapel Hill. And, uh, and I thought of that guy every single day, but it's, it's interesting how one person like really gave me my life path and, and one person could have taken it away. That's something I'm very cognizant of. Um, but ultimately that guy who, who was the discourager of me ended up being reinforcement to me, uh, giving me more resolve on my passion. And then while I was at Chapel Hill, uh, I was working probably 80 hours a week, uh, along with school. Uh, I was burning the candle at both ends and, uh, I was pushing myself too hard and I got Epstein-Barr virus, chronic fatigue syndrome, Hashimoto's. Uh, fibromyalgia. I was in bed for six months with pain and inflammation. Again, thought about taking my life because I didn't think I would ever be a productive member of society. I didn't think that I would ever finish up my master's. I thought all this sacrifice was for nothing. I thought my body was betraying me. Uh, and again, like that, when you have body dysmorphia, like you just grow to hate your body. Uh, in all ways, not just the way it looks in a mirror, but you you constantly think it's it's betraying you. And these were thoughts that I had. And I was always looking for hacks with supplements, with diets, with workouts, with. So I got very good at all the things. But at no point did I love myself in that process. Uh, I ended up stumbling into the ketogenic diet that ended up changing my life pretty dramatically. I was able to get out of bed, get back to class after those six months and regain my life. I've been doing keto for over 20 years since, and I've spoke on keto all over the world. I shifted from my focus on supplements from being sports nutrition to like immune health and, and energy because those are now my, my life. My immunity was impaired, my energy was zero. So that's where my new focus was. And then to wrap up like uh, with my health journey, probably about eight years ago when I was working for a company called Dymatize and I was formulating for them now having my dream job. Um, but again, working 80 plus hours a week, the company was trying to sell uh, in a three year turnaround to a big company. They did sell to Post Foods for 425 million, but the pace around the company was breakneck and intense and stressful. And I ended up getting a pituitary tumor and now I, you know, was worried about cancer. I had all my hormones and, and, uh, and neurotransmitters messed with, you know, and it was, I was getting very sick for that reason, headaches, lack of sleep, um, you know, losing muscle mass, all kinds of libido. And so that was crushing. And, uh, and that's when I shifted another time into like mental health and looking at like exogenous ketones and, and nootropics and, I had just come out of long-term care where I was looking at Alzheimer's and dementia. And so I've kind of evolved with my health journeys. And most recently, this is the, the finish is just over the last year and a half is when I've had my massive shift into self-love where I've had the realizations that I was pushing all of this time because of insecurities that I've had since my childhood. And I wanted 
to hit a certain level of achievement so that people loved me and I would then love myself. And I finally realized that it's not an achievement to be sexy, to be happy, to be successful. Those are just states of being that you can have now. And I realized that from plant medicine journeys uh, and working with therapists and taking that step back, especially during COVID, it totally reformed me. I ended up rewriting my book about three times. I recorded my book and re-recorded my book because I kept shifting uh, into more and more self-love and seeing uh, less about the science of, of like biohacks because I had been using all those things this time to survive, to survive what I was doing to my body. I became the expert in how to survive all the damage I was doing to myself. And then I finally shifted into literally states of being and loving myself and then having deeper relationships and that transformed me. And now I'm so proud of where I'm at uh, with, you know, the message that I'm talking about. I talk a lot about depression and suicidal thoughts, but, and self-love and that now these biohacks are more optimizations on that solid foundation of self-love and it's it's been transformative for me so that's my story awesome well i'm going to start with a question from a listener Sure. And this is from a guy named James in New Haven, Connecticut, which I'm happy we like, I feel like we never get any questions. I haven't seen any questions from Connecticut. It's like probably the first time I've ever gotten one from there. But um, he says, I need some help with energy and biohacks. I'm trying and supplementing with some magnesium, but sometimes it makes me constipated. Sometimes it gives me diarrhea. I feel like I don't have it down. I'm also doing keto and doing intermittent fasting, but I'm lacking a lot of energy. I need some good hacks to help with my energy to make it skyrocket. James in New Haven, Connecticut. Oh, I love New Haven. Uh, those are great questions. And uh, by the way, I'm, uh, I'm a biochemist, registered dietitian, certified sports nutritionist, formulated over 500 supplements, patented 10 ingredients, and I've been speaking on biohacking, keto, and all the things for around 20 years. I was 10 years as a chief clinical dietitian. So just so you know who I am and, and what I'm talking about. Um, but as far as his question, that's a great question um, with regards to energy. I think some people run into this with both keto and fasting. Uh, they, they feel like uh, this fatigue on keto, they feel fatigue on fasting. There's some reasons for that. Typically, there's a, there's a couple reasons that could be. I'd say the biggest one is that you're not getting deep enough into ketosis. A lot of times when people are doing uh, keto, they're doing net carbs. They're doing, you know, at least 50 grams of, of carbs a day. They're eating things that are potentially low carb, but they're having lots of protein, which can lead to gluconeogenesis. They're having the net carbs, which some of these short chain fibers and uh, sugar alcohols can actually uh, be fairly close to sugar in the body. So there's some problems there. And, and some people, um, you know, need a lot lower amount of carbs to get into ketosis, especially women I've found is I think muscle mass is, is really important. How much muscle mass you have and how active you are with it. 
because there's something called glute forward translocation where it's taking glucose into the cell, the more muscle mass you have and the more active you are with it. So some women I've seen, instead of 50 grams of carbs a day, they need 20 grams. And so that can be very different, preventing them from getting deeper into ketosis. But I would say, just guessing with James, that that he needs to look at being on a very strict ketogenic diet. I like for the first 90 days being below 20 grams of carbs a day, not the 50, so that you can adapt to ketosis. You can be fat adapted and you can get used to what a high level of ketones feels like so that when you do net carbs, when you do increase your carb uh, amounts to maybe 50 or whatever it is, that you have a sense of this is what deep ketosis feels like and I'm no longer in it. And of course you can measure, you can do um, urine strips, you can do a breath meter, you can do uh, a blood glucometer that look at uh, ketones. So that would be something I would look at is um, going on a stricter ketogenic diet, um, definitely being more active, uh, which helps, helps lower your blood sugar, helps you get deeper into ketosis. Um, and then finding some ways of measuring uh, to see where you're at in ketosis. And as far as the magnesium, uh, probably magnesium glycinate is probably my favorite form in terms of bang for the buck. It's very cheap. Uh, it's a uh, more bioavailable uh, bio form, uh, better, better absorbed. And so that's the one that I would use. And of course, if you do go too high in magnesium, you can have that laxative effect. And that's where you want to spread it out through the day, like maybe take one capsule three times a day instead of three capsules all at once. So those would be my recommendations. Okay. And what would you say for someone who, as far as the the measurement that you would take, like listening to your body of like taking too much, like kind of walk someone through where they say, okay, I'm going to try, start with one pill, see how I do, then add on. Can you talk a little bit about that just so that they're balanced so that it's, cause I have heard that in the past that some people, you know, they might hear on a podcast to take calm or, you know, this much magnesium, then they go too extreme. Now they have diarrhea, then they go back and it's, any tips for that? Yeah, yeah, I, and, and that does happen. And certain forms are much more bioavailable than others. So you may think that it's just an elemental thing. Oh, I'm getting this much magnesium. Magnesium oxide or carbonate, for example, are very low bioavailability, whereas something like magnesium citrate, uh, magnesium glycinate, uh, magnesium threonate, uh, those are like amino acid chelates uh, with glycine or threonine, and they're much more bioavailable. So you have to be aware of that. That's good in terms of uh, you're getting more in your system, but you have to be aware of that. So form to form, it's going to vary. And that's where I do recommend starting slow to figure out like, what does this feel like? And yeah, I wouldn't go like hardcore into your calm all at once. And then there is some of your body adapting to it over time. You could probably just like with MCTs and, and other compounds like that, that you may get GI distress early 
berberine is another one that there's a lot of things that are like this, that you get GI distress early, but as you adapt to it, as your body gets used to it, you can titrate up. So yeah, it's just, you know, go slow and, and, uh, and see where you're at. Hey guys, I'm so excited. My new book, One Meal and a Tasting is out now. And if you order the book on Amazon, just the regular paperback edition, if you go in and make a review, you will get the audio book for free. Send a copy of your receipt to questions at ChantelRayway.com and you'll get the audio book right away. So give us, I'm so excited about your book that's coming out. Can you give us two or three of like the hottest tips to get us excited mm-hmm. about reading it? Sure. Uh, it's called The Energy Formula. It comes out uh, April 1st. Uh, it's 99 cents. Uh, you can go to energyformula.com. Uh, it'll be 99 cents through April. Then it goes up to $10 and that's for the ebook. Uh, the hardcover is $39.99. And, uh, that's cause it actually cost me about $39.80 to make and it's full color front to back. It's pretty, wow. pretty awesome. Like it has 60 full color diagrams, over hundred scientific citations. I get into all the supplements and the brands and the doses and what's called formulators corners in every chapter resource hacks that go into all the devices, all the tips and apps and uh, all the things that you can use that that are amazing in, in each chapter. Again, all the all the brands, like I don't take any affiliate money. This is all just legit stuff. And there's surveys in each chapter to, to show where you're at in terms of baseline and how you've progressed. Uh, so a lot of cool stuff in there, just a lot of usable stuff, practical stuff that you can flip through. You don't have to read the book front to back. Like you can just jump in and grab stuff like in two minutes. So it's really cool like that. I'm, I'm proud of that. Um, but my top biohacks from the book, let's see. Um, there's some, well, I think first and foremost, people know me as the world's greatest formulator as a supplement guy. So I'll get into a few supplements that I think would be really cool. Uh, one is called a uh, brand new one called L-Beba and it's under the trade name Mitoburn. This is an exercise mimetic, meaning it mimics exercise, literally exercise in a bottle. So there's been some compounds in the past that are pharmaceuticals that have been patented for this. One is called ACAR, A-I-C-A-R. Another one's called GW50156. But this one is a naturally occurring uh, peptide that it happens in the body naturally when you exercise intently, intensely. So when you're going through intense exercise, your body breaks down uh, some of its muscle for a branch chain amino acid called L-valine, and then L-valine converts into uh, L-beba. And then beba tells the body there's intense exercise that's happening. We need to do all of the things associated with that. So it will improve your endurance, your VO2 max. It'll improve your neuroplasticity in your brain, your bone mineral density in your bones, your uh, muscle mass and uh, the hypertrophy and recovery of your muscle, uh, reduce fat mass, like all of the things we associate with um, intense exercise are going to be augmented with L-beba. So a really cool ingredient, just taking like, one to two grams uh, prior to workout is going to augment every rep, every step that you're doing. So that's a really cool one that I'm, I'm pretty excited about that I think is going to be really, really popular. 
Um, another one would be one called Grains of Paradise. This is an herb from Africa that's been used as a spice in food and beverages. There's a Sam Adams beer that has it. And it's like, she's got like a, a gingery, peppery flavor. So it's really great to use on food. But what's cool is there's a compound in it, 6-paradol, that, that uh, there's a standardized form of. Uh, if you look at uh, Grains of Paradise, and what's neat is it upregulates brown adipose tissue. So brown adipose tissue is very different from your 99.5% uh, white adipose tissue on your body that you traditionally think of when you think of fat. This is brown fat, and it's all around your, your collarbone, your neck. And what this does, you only have about six to seven ounces on your body, but it's highly thermogenic. It's brown because it's full of mitochondria. And like when you're a baby, before you have the ability to shiver and create heat, this is how you maintain heat is through brown adipose tissue. So it's highly thermogenic. And this may be the reason we're discovering that some people can eat as much as they want and not gain weight. Um, it's actually such a focus in science right now that like scientists are trying to figure out how to beige uh, white uh, fat, this white adipose tissue to make it more metabolically active. Um, and that's been a big area of research. But this grains of paradise upregulates the number of brown adipose tissue cells and the activity of them. And they've shown that just a super small dose, 40 milligrams, burned over 100 calories a day without stimulation. And we don't know if you take 80 milligrams a day or take it twice a day, you know, does that equal 400 calories a day? We, we don't know, but more research needs to be done, but a really cool compound uh, that's pretty exciting. And, and brown adipose tissue is a huge area of research. And probably my last one, this is a big one for, for people that are fasting, for people that want anti-aging, uh, has been shown to be superior to metformin head to head, which is the ultimate uh, anti-aging drug, the, the best glucose disposal agent that diabetics use. Uh, but in anti-aging, um, people have been using it for about 20 years because blood glucose being elevated, insulin being elevated is associated with pro-aging, pro-inflammation, pro-disease, et cetera. So finding ways to lower blood sugar lower uh, insulin, lower inflammation, improve dyslipidemia through uh, berberine uh, or metformin has been ideal. Berberine was shown to be head, uh, when, when compared to head to metformin, was shown to be superior. The problem is berberine takes three doses a day, takes 500 milligrams, some people get GI distress, and there's a new form called dihydroberberine that berberine converts into in the body. So this is the more active form and you only need to take about 100 milligrams a day and only need it about twice a day because it lasts twice as long in the body. And so this is literally the most powerful anti-aging compound I know. In one study um, where they used uh, metformin for 90 days, uh, they were showing that uh, these people were had biomarkers of living two years longer. So it's a it's a powerful compound. Metformin is being studied with 3000 uh, study participants right now for anti-aging. So literally, I, I think berberine is your better bet. And then 
dihydroberberine is your best bet. It's branded as glucovantage and you only take, like I said, about hundred milligrams uh, twice a day. So those are, those are some exciting supplements that, uh, that I talked about. And if you're keto, what's cool is when you're lowering blood glucose, you're raising ketones. So this glucovantage is going to increase ketone levels, whether you're fasting, whether you're having a carb cheat or whether you're a keto dieter, it's going to help in all those things to raise ketones and lower blood glucose. All right, I have another listener question and this is from Santana in Fort Myers, Florida. I don't know if it's a girl or a guy. It says, I have some skin issues and read a book called The Carnivore Cure. Mm. I did that for a couple a couple weeks, but to be honest, I can't eat another steak. My skin is so much better, but I need some tips on how to transition to keeping my skin clear without doing carnivore and how I can add other foods back in. I'm reading a lot of things about anti-nutrients like lectins, oxalates, and how certain vegetables might be causing my energy issues and skin issues. I love eating keto and carnivore, but I cannot sustain it. I get to my snapping point and then I'm just done. Any tips? Santa yeah, those are Fort great Myers. Questions. Yeah, those are, those are great questions. I'm friends with uh, Dr. Sean Baker and Dr. Paul Saladino that, that, are, that speak heavily and, and research heavily on the carnivore diet. And I do think it is a great gut reset and autoimmune reset. But same for me, uh, and I've had autoimmune issues like I discussed, I can do it for a month or two, but it's hard to maintain for longer than that. So I understand that. And with keto, I do cyclical and targeted ketogenic dieting, and that makes it very easy to maintain where you cycle in carbs for certain purposes or at certain times. Um, but I would say for, for him, I would look at the autoimmune protocol from uh, the paleo diet, the AIP diet with paleo. They have all the uh, anti-nutrients and inflammatory triggers all covered. I also have a guide on my site, seanwells.com, that goes into all the anti-nutrients and, and how to look for those and be aware of those uh, in your diet and, and not include those. He mentioned a bunch of them with lectins and oxalates and being aware of nightshades and you know gluten and all of these different things that can be an issue, um, that's where that autoimmune uh, protocol diet is going to be helpful. And then what you do is you, you start at the most restrictive in AIP and then you add in uh, some of those things over time and just see how your body reacts. And then you can be in a, in a good place there. So that's what I would do with that. Um, but I still would use carnivore from time to time. There is a less restrictive form of carnivore that I've used called the sapien diet by a friend of mine, Brian Sanders, that adds in some fermented foods and some things like um, onions and mushrooms and um, some things that are definitely not triggers, but you're eating mostly head to toe, um, uh, you know, meat uh, or, or hoof to snout or tail to nose to tail or you know all the different terms um where you do eat organ meat you do eat all that kind of stuff that's important too not just eating the uh the muscle so hopefully that helps awesome all right this next one is from samantha from norfolk 
This question says, I want to talk about leaky gut. I've seen some different causes of leaky gut and I don't drink. I don't eat sugar, but there's some other things that might be an issue. I feel like I do eat gluten, but sometimes I can eat gluten and I feel like a million bucks. Other times I eat it and I feel terrible. Thoughts on what we can do to improve a leaky gut? Yeah, that's a great question. And leaky gut means that there's, um, we normally in the gut wall, there's what's called tight junctions. And these cells are actually have a tight connection to each other. And they're not letting these toxins or food particles get directly into the bloodstream. If that happens because of leaky gut, because of inflammation, because of something called zonulin, like then, then these things can get directly into the bloodstream and cause a ton of inflammation because they're not supposed to be in our bloodstream, period. So that's something to be aware of. But I will tell you with gluten, one, you can get a genetic test to see if you are someone that is gluten sensitive or celiac. Um, non, non-celiac gluten sensitivity is a thing as well. But uh, I would say that, that it's been heavily disputed um, for the reason of that in America, we have what's known as a, an obesogenic strain, a modified strain that actually promotes obesity of our gluten, of our wheat um, that they don't have in Europe. So it may happen uh, that sometimes when you have higher quality uh, gluten or wheat, that you aren't experiencing these things. That's been that's what's been debated. Is it gluten? There's another component called gliadin, or is it that it's genetically modified and it has glyphosate and it's this this strain that causes more inflammation? Or so it's super complex. Uh, but I would say um, to experiment with a really high quality source of, of bread or something like that, like a European, very expensive bread and see if that causes the same problems as, you know, having wonder bread or having, you know, something like that. So that's something to explore. Yeah, I have tons of friends who tell me that when they go to France or they go to Germany and they go to other parts of the country, they can eat gluten like no problem. They have absolutely no issues. But when they eat it here in the United States, it causes all kinds of all kinds of issues. So I want you to talk a little bit about magnesium in our foods and just, you know, different people say that you know, the magnesium in our foods has lost, has been lost. And I just got back from Costa Rica. I'm planning on going back. And when I go there, I feel like a million bucks and just the food that I'm eating. So what is your opinion about kind of some of the food that we have going on and some, I want you to dive into magnesium a little bit more. Yeah. You know, when we get organic foods, for example, that haven't been sprayed with, as I just mentioned, like glyphosate, which is also known as Roundup, which is carcinogenic um, and and hardly hard, uh, highly harmful to our bodies. Um, But also uh, there's there's herbicides, there's pesticides on these things. The soil is leached of all of the mineral content and nutrition in it. 
um, the natural uh, probiotics that are in soil. All of these things are gone. So when these when these soils are over farmed and then they're over sprayed with the herbicides, pesticides, you know, the Roundup, et cetera, like we get very unhealthy food. And then it gets to the point where it's ultra processed, where you're adding in artificial colors, sweeteners, uh, flavors, um, you know, different hormones, antibiotics, uh, their GMO, on and on and on and on. So it's it's definitely a case of uh, one, when you maybe go to Costa Rica, that the soil is much more natural, not over farmed, that there's plenty of minerals present that can then go into the plant. Uh, but two, they're not getting like these GMO oversprayed, uh, you know, crops that, that we have. So it's, it's really like a, a tale of two countries, if you will, like it's, it's a huge variance. And that's why buying organic is critical for your food. You do want to avoid, uh, honestly, the mainstream food supply because of all those reasons that I mentioned. Awesome. Well, what have I not asked you that you want listeners to know? Oh, man. Um, well, here's the thing, like right off the bat is just a morning routine, which I get into in the book is so simple. Uh, I think a lot of people just wake up, they wake up tired, they roll out of bed, they need, you know, they need caffeine, they need sugar, they need something to get going. Their brain cells are exhausted. They feel stressed. They jump in the car. Maybe they go to work. Then they go straight into email. They go down that rabbit hole and their day owns them and they're exhausted. <clears throat> and meanwhile, as I discussed in the book, like a morning routine, which almost all successful people have, uh, there's a book by Tim Ferriss, Tools of Titans. And that's one of the most uh, common, consistent threads he saw with successful people is a dialed morning routine. It's almost all free. If when I wake up, the first thing I do is I do something called box breathing, where it's it's like, let's say if you do a six second box, it's six seconds in, six seconds hold, six seconds out, six seconds hold. And you repeat that maybe four times and you're regulating your nervous system. You're relaxing into your day. And not only do like Buddhist monks use this, but Navy SEALs use this going into a firefight. It's a very effective technique. And then I do um, gratitude, uh, talk to myself about all the things that are amazing in my life. And then affirmations, really getting into that self-talk where, because honestly, if anyone talked to you like you talked to you, you wouldn't be their friend. So I'm changing that inner voice from the inner critic to the inner champion. I'm saying like, I'm amazing. I'm going to do incredible things today. I'm going to have an impact on people. I'm going to be on a podcast and, and really touch lives. And, and I'm so blessed. And, and then I do some light stretching. Then I grab a glass of water and then I try and get out in the sunshine, uh, you know, even early in the day to set that circadian rhythm and turn that on. It's really important that you actually get blue light in the morning. Yes, you should avoid blue light in the evening, uh, because it can impair the release of melatonin and impair that circadian rhythm, that sleep-wake cycle. But you need it in the morning to turn that system on. So just what I said is, you know, maybe five or 10 minutes. Another thing is like just not waking up to some, you know, certainly not the old school bamp, bamp, bamp kind of alarm. But I mean, even just, a, you know, music may be too intense. Like 
you can actually get uh, clocks that have a light on them that get slowly brighter and brighten up the room. You can get clocks that have chimes that, you know, get slowly louder and closer together and, you know, to wake you up gradually so that you ease in versus like a high cortisol epinephrine kind of rush of like, oh my God, I need to wake up. You know, that's not a, a normal thing to do every day. We weren't evolved for that to like wake up panicked. And then I would say that last thing is getting to sleep on time, having proper sleep hygiene is going to be critical to feeling well rested in the morning and, and, and having that great day. So, I mean, it sounds obvious, but most people deprive themselves of sleep. We're the only species that does that. Like we'll stay up for that, uh, you know, sex in the city marathon or the game of Thrones or, you know, the ball game or whatever. And it's like, you know, 1230 in the morning. And like, we should have been in bed like two hours ago, or we look at our devices. We look at an iPad or a laptop or a phone or, you know, whatever, or watch TV in our bedrooms. And the bedroom should be purely about two things like just sleeping and, and maybe sex with a partner, but that's it. Like there shouldn't be arguments in there. There shouldn't be TV in there. There shouldn't be anything in there that doesn't translate into me feeling relaxed and me enjoying that time in that room. That room should be uh, what's called a sleep fortress like that. It should revolve around sleep and leave the devices out of the room. But some people uh, do what's called um, social jet lag, where they stay up two, three, four hours later on the weekend. And then you feel exhausted come Monday morning. That's because like your body literally just traveled to Europe. You know, like you're doing like this, this like traveling across the world thing, essentially the social jet lag to yourself every weekend. So it's important that we go to sleep consistently. So we have that great morning. That's awesome. I love that so much. Well, thank you so much for being on our show today. This was a blessing to everyone who got a chance to listen to it. So thank you for your time. And you guys stay tuned. We have another episode coming up in just a few. Bye-bye for now. Hey guys, thanks for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, it would mean the world to us for you to leave a review on iTunes to get this podcast out to others that may have the same questions that you do. And as always, if you have a question that you want answered, email those to questions at chantelrayway.com. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.